Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 5 of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be reading Revelation 11, verse 3 through 6. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, Fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And I'll stop reading there. Now, um, again... We've been discussing this the last couple of studies. The two witnesses are a figure that God is giving us. They're not uh, actually two people, but they're typified by Moses and Elijah, or the law and the prophets. And the two witnesses prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, or twelve hundred and sixty days. And the Bible is prophecy. The whole Bible is the prophecy of God. When anyone speaks forth the Bible, we are prophesying. And, and that's why, uh, God in the book of Acts, quoting from Joel, uh, speaks of your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And uh, that doesn't mean he's going to send prophets in the latter days. Uh, there, There's no prophets in the sense of Jeremiah or Isaiah or Ezekiel or Daniel any longer. God finished using prophets in a official role um, once he completed the Bible. But his people are spiritually prophets, priests, and kings. We exercise our role as a prophet when we speak the prophecy of the Bible. And and the whole Bible is prophecy. So as we share information from the Bible that is true, we are prophesying. And the two witnesses are a figure of the Bible itself, Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, but we also have to recognize the the Bible does not prophesy of itself. That, that is, yes, the Bible was in the churches, but it was the true believers. It, it was God's people within the congregations that would speak forth the Bible. Likewise, when God ended the church age and and began sending forth the gospel uh, of the latter rain after that initial 2300 evening mornings. Well, the, the Bible didn't go forth of itself. God has devised 
a program of evangelization. He had his people send it forth. Now, uh, back in September of 1994, when he first began to uh, pour out the latter rain upon the people of the earth, there there would have been certain ministries that were not identified with the church that God could have used to uh, to accomplish that purpose. And then later on, he called his people out of the churches and congregations once he opened up to their understanding that the church age had ended and and that the Bible was commanding them to come out. And they began to come out and more and more true believers began to identify with the witness of the two witnesses, with with their testimony outside of the church. And that's um, normally the case, that God's people, they strongly identify with the two witnesses, as the two witnesses um, represent the Bible itself, the Word of God, and the true believers have the role uh, of being messengers of the Word of God, the, the ones who were ambassadors in the day of salvation, the one, uh, the ones that were tasked with the responsibility of going into the world with the gospel. And so we find language that does identify the true believers with the two witnesses in Revelation 11, for instance, where it says in verse 3, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. And sackcloth is um, a figure that God uses to express repentance. When someone has become saved, God has granted that person repentance unto salvation. He has given them the gift of a new heart that is turned away from sin, that has repented from all the sins that were uh, gushing forth out of the desperately wicked, hard heart of the sinner. Well, God changes the heart, gives a new heart, and that is repentance. There is a turning deep down within from the heart of the individual who has become born again by the action of God in, in saving them and, and giving them that new born again heart. And then later there'll be repentance outwardly in the individual's life. But repentance unto salvation is an act of God. It's the part of the gift of God's salvation when he gives a new resurrected heart. That heart is in complete obedience to God and has repented. And and that's what God is looking for. When the Bible speaks of repent and and believe the gospel or or however it's put in as God does use that kind of language in many different places, well, people think, well, okay, I have to stop drinking or I have to stop smoking or I have to stop cursing or lying or whatever sin it is that I'm doing, I have to stop. Well, yes, but but what if you did stop those outward things, and yet there was no change within you? And and remember how, how the Bible speaks of the sins that flow forth out of the heart of man. And, and so someone could put away uh, in outward observable sin 
like drinking alcohol, and and yet uh, the the uh, inward sin that is flowing forth from the heart is undisturbed and and is still coming forth abundantly out of that desperately wicked heart. And so there's no repentance there, no real repentance. The repentance must be of the heart, and and that's why we we pray, Oh Lord, grant me the gift or or this would have been the prayer while God was still granting this kind of gift. Grant me the gift of a repentant heart. Turn me and I shall turn. And then later, after God gives us that new heart, we will turn from outward observable sins as well. But um, the repentance has already been performed by the action of God. Well, the two witnesses, uh, it says, are clothed in sackcloth. And this would be the outworking of the ministry of the two witnesses within the churches and congregations during the church age, God utilized his people to speak forth his word, to prophesy, and and uh, since they are his people, the, the figure is used, they were clothed in sackcloth, and they prophesied for a thousand two hundred and three score days. Now we looked at this before, but just once again in Revelation 12, verse 6, it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. And and when we carefully go through the context of Revelation chapter 6, which, Lord willing, um, we'll soon get to as we, we continue studying, it's the next chapter, we'll see uh, that the woman is the body of believers as Christ comes through Israel and is born. Uh, we read in verse 5. And then the woman flees into the wilderness and there God takes care of her for that 1260 day period, which uh, is identical to what Revelation 11.3 tells us of the two witnesses and their period of prophecy. And this is, um, if we were to look at 1260 days, you could break that down to three and a half years of 30-day months, and, uh, and, and that's exactly how we should look at it, because it is pointing to the last half of the 70th week of Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel 9, God um, brought us to the 70th week, and then the, the Lord Jesus Christ was ministering for three and a half years, and that was uh, half of the 70th week. And then the last half stretched forth over the New Testament church age. The last half of the 70th week of Daniel 9 stretches to the end of the church age, and then um, we we reach the time of the end. It is judgment that begins upon the house of God, and at that point, the the scriptures are unsealed according to Daniel twelve. Seal up the word until the time of the end. And it was at the beginning of the great tribulation, the beginning of the judgment on the churches, that God unsealed the the Bible. Well, okay, so. 
We're uh, reading here in Revelation 11. So let's move on to verse 4. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Now we read back in uh, Zechariah, also in our last study, information that uh, agrees with what um, Revelation 11.4 is stating. In Zechariah 4, it says in verse 2, And said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes of the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. Now, uh, let's uh, skip down to verse 11. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick, and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now that language matches exactly Revelation 11.4. I'll read it again. These are the two olive trees and a two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And, and here in Zechariah 4, we're reading of the two olive trees that are on the right and left of the candlestick. And then God speaks of oil emptying out um, through two olive branches. Uh, the, the, the golden oil is, is emptying out. And uh, again, the two witnesses are the word of God, and the true believers closely identify with the word of God as we represent the kingdom of heaven. And, and so here God has... Um, in view these two olive trees that are closely related. They're, they're by the candlestick and, and they are involved in this process of the emptying of the golden oil. And remember, oil in the Bible can represent the Holy Spirit. And actually, in verse four, 14 of Zechariah 4, uh, when it says these are the two anointed ones, the word anointed is translated as oil in Deuteronomy 28 verse 51 and 2 Kings 18 verse 32 and uh, in 2 Kings 18:32 it's land of oil olive and and again that would relate to the olive trees the oil, the olive oil comes from the olive tree and and, and so it, it it's very difficult language to try and uh, grab a hold of but the idea is that the true believers have the Holy Spirit flowing in them and and therefore they are prophesying in accord with the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, that represent the Bible, the Word of God. The true believers are closely identifying with the Word of God. 
All right, um, we're we're going to continue on. Let's go to verse five of Revelation eleven. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Now the two witnesses are the Bible. They are the word of God. And uh, God's people carry forth that word. And if any man hurts the true gospel of the Bible, if any man... Um, it shows opposition, presents himself as an enemy to the kingdom of heaven. Well, then, God is saying that if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And, of course, there are a great many enemies of the true gospel of the Bible. The The Bible is that which is the truth that God has declared and and as God declares truth and then his people share that truth with um in in this case in uh the setting of Revelation 11 within the churches and congregations you're bound to have opposition to the truth that is declared there has never been a time in the history of the world where truth was spoken, and, uh, well, this would be after the fall, of course, where truth was spoken, and someone did not oppose it. Because that is the nature of man. Mankind does not understand the truth of the Bible uh, in themselves, and they also have Satan ruling over them in that kingdom of darkness, and Satan is um, just just the greatest of enemies. He is contrary to truth. He is the father of lies, and he stirs up people to oppose true doctrine, to oppose faithful teaching. He has been doing this since the very beginning, even uh, uh, before the fall into sin. What was Satan doing when when he presented himself to Eve? as the serpent, and he tried to get her to doubt. Has God said, you shall not eat of that tree? And he wanted Eve's mind to go in a certain direction to wonder and question and, and to get to the point where she was willing to, to break the commandment of God. And Satan has been working that way for thousands of years. As the the Bible has been declared, Satan has uh, found uh, his people emissaries and and just unsaved individuals that he has raised up in opposition to whatever point the Bible declares is true. If the Bible says that men are to teach and not women, well, you can believe there's going to be some people. Who, who want to insist, oh, that's not fair. There should be an equality between men and women, and just like there is in our society today. If the Bible says that there's not to be divorce for any reason, well, that's not fair. What about this case, um, in this kind of marriage where, where the husband has been unfaithful or abused the wife? If the Bible says that 
marriage is only between a man and a woman. Oh, that's not fair. What about two individuals that are deeply in love with one another and just happen to be of the same sex? And we could just go on and on and on. Uh, is there any point of truth that the Bible declares where men do not um, dispute, where they do not argue with God, and they do not think that they know better? They know better as far as salvation. Oh, no, we can't leave salvation in God's hand. We can't just wait on the Lord for him to save and elect people. That's not fair. No, it's up to you. And and God has given us all free will to, we're not robots, you know. We, we can exercise our will. And there's no end to it. There's no end. No matter what it is. Now, of course, we've come to the day of judgment. And God has declared that his salvation program has come to an end. As far as uh, saving individuals any longer. He has completed that part of his program, and never again will he do it, and he has shut the door of heaven. That's not fair. It's not fair to individuals that are born after that date of May 21, 2011, or, or it's not fair uh, to, to this one or that one. And while believers are here, there must be ongoing salvation. And, and it's just more of the same, more of the same people arguing against God, against what he has said in his word. And this is the nature of mankind. Well, God here uh, is is laying down a principle. If any man will hurt them, the two witnesses, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. Now, obviously, it is not to be taken literally First of all, these two witnesses are not two men. They're not uh, actually two people. And uh, fire never literally proceeded out of their mouth. It's speaking of the word of God. If we go to the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 30, it says, beginning in verse 27, Behold, the name of Jehovah cometh from far, burning with his anger, and the burden thereof is heavy. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue as a devouring fire, and his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the midst of the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of vanity, and there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people, causing them to err. And a little further down in verse 30. And Jehovah shall cause his glorious voice. What is Jehovah's glorious voice? It is the Bible. Jehovah shall cause his glorious voice to be heard and shall show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger and with the flame of a devouring fire with scattering and tempest and hailstones. You see, it is the Lord Jehovah, it says in verse 27. Uh, who ha- his lips are full of indignation, his tongue is a devouring fire. It is the glorious voice of Jehovah that is like a flame of a devouring fire with scattering and tempest and hailstones. And and this is what uh, the two witnesses are um, said to 
do. Their their fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. It's it's a reference to what the Bible can do spiritually. The word of God condemns the enemies of the kingdom of heaven, the enemies of the Bible, the enemies of God himself, and devours them in a spiritual fire. God has done this with those in the churches, for instance. Uh, the judgment upon the churches and congregations is known through the, the understanding of the Bible. And God has destroyed the third part. He has slayed or uh, had them killed, which number about two billion people in the churches and congregations of the world through an understanding of the Bible. The Bible is able to kill spiritually those that have other religions. You'll you'll never have any life according to the word of God. The verse in John 14, verse 6, which says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That declaration, it, it slays the Muslim, it slays the Buddhist and the Hinduist and and any other religion, any other way to God other than Christ. And and this is how fire proceeds out of the mouth of the two witnesses. It comes forth from the word of God, and it is the truth that condemns those in error. And And even during the church age, there would have been churches that uh, Revelation 2 identifies as synagogues of Satan that have gone off course. They have gone another way. They have developed another gospel. And uh, we know there's many ways for churches to do that. And the two witnesses who prophesied during the period of the church age would have had fire come out of their mouth and devour their enemy and any false congregation is an enemy of the true congregation, and they would have been killed by the judgment that the word of God would have pronounced against them. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.